You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a plague, man. You beat up the bullies with your fists, you throw them in jail, everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You goddamn right, I do. If one chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore, you are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. The Force will be with you. Always. Be bold. Be brave. Courageous. Black alert. This is called Pirate Radio. We are refuse for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech. That's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team. No heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hearts true. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, uh, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzford. I'm totally gonna use that, too. <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Designer, the flagship podcast of the GGR Pirate Radio Network. My name is Mike Lonsford. I am not only the host of the podcast, I am also the editor-in-chief of our website. It is greatgeekrefuge.com. There's lots of great articles. There's wonderful podcasts there. Lots of things for all of your various media types. I am joined on this podcast with everybody's favorite co-host, who we dubbed the professor because of his endless knowledge of all things geeky and nerdy in film. Uh, his name is James Rambo. Yeah. We've also got a very wonderful guest who is well-versed in the geeky nerdy things. You've probably heard of her in the last episode. She's joining us again for another episode because her open-faced turkey sandwich still has not arrived, so we have to do another episode until she gets her food. Her name is Katie. Hi, how are you guys doing? Ooh, yeah, great, yeah. Um, you mentioned in the last one the butterfly effect and yeah. how it's a alternate reality time travel movie and it like i remember watching it and, and enjoying it and being like this is pretty fun like the whole ending where it's like i'm gonna go back in time to when i'm being bored so i can strangle myself with my umbilical cord and stop all of this from happening that was a little much like i fucking forgot that's how that movie <laughs> did you really <laughs> well that's one of the alternate endings there's like five endings to that. Ah, because there's okay. a butterfly effect of endings too man it's deep Austin Kutcher has lots of thoughts about things, man. They should have done that like Clue and released every end of the <laughs> You know, one of my dirty secrets is I've never seen Clue. Katie. <laughs> God damn it. It's so good. You would like it so much. Yeah. I just, I've never seen it. But, uh, but no, there's the ending where he strangles himself with his umbilical cord. There's also the one where he goes back in time and like because like the crux of the thing was like the little girl stayed with her abusive father because she had a crush on him which like wow um 
but uh, it's worth getting beat because of those beautiful blue eyes action. <laughs> the fuck. Um, so he <laughs> right, does the selfless Mike, thing. You know that he did not like write and direct this movie. <laughs> yes, he did. This was his pet project. <laughs> You're so mad at him. Him for making him, this. And Wilmer Valderrama, while they were on the set of the 70s show, sat around and wrote this shit. And they were like, dude, and they're getting high, right? Because that's what they did in the show. And he was like, wouldn't it be cool if, like, I, like, went back in time, but, like, as a baby? <laughs> <laughs> and Wilmer was like, fuck yeah, do it. It's still, by the way, weird to me that he's actually married to Mila Kunis. I'm like, wait, what? It is very strange and meta. It is yeah. very odd. <laughs> but <laughs> there's the... There's the baby strangling itself ending, and there's also the ending where he selflessly goes back and says you're fucking ugly or whatever, like the first time they meet. So she doesn't I, want to be yeah. around him anymore. I, I think I think that's the proper ending. I think he goes back and he says, if you, you "Get away from me! If I ever see you again, I'll kill you." Yeah. Like he goes yeah. really fucking mean to keep her to, for, to have her keep her distance. Yeah. 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 Um. And the, but like then there's three different versions of that. There's the ending where like they he sees her and recognizes her, but realizes she's happy. And then there's the one where they see each other and they turn around. And then the the one that they clearly start talking and like oh everything's gonna be okay in Hollywood and like they're gonna fall in love again, even though he was a dick to her when she was a child. Yeah, true. I mean, there's also the this my personal favorite ending too, where um they they finally capture Ashton Kutcher and um. <laughs> And Amy Smart says, let's see who you really are and remove his rubber mask. And it turns out that it was Old Man Withers, the guy who runs the haunted amusement park. That son of a bitch. Well, would have gotten away with it. <laughs> if it wasn't um, for you snooping kids and Eric yeah. Stoltz. Fuck, <laughs> it was Eric Stoltz. Yes, there oh, it is. Man. Yes. Oh, oh he's such fuck a Fuck that movie. God damn it. <laughs> It's one of, it, it was what was the movie we were talking about with with Cena recently um, where it was like it's too smart for its own good. That was the butterfly effect. It was like if dumb people <laughs> wrote smart movies, like that's the butterfly effect. It tried really really hard to be smart. Oh, it was like oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, take shelter. There it is. Yeah. Take shelter. So I I looked up uh, Eric Bress, who is the co-writer and co-director. And, uh, and Ashton Kutcher. Uh, <laughs> in no way anywhere listed in. <laughs> He was a fucking. He was a producer. Okay, like I just picture him like 1940s style producer with a big cigar in his mouth. He'd be like, "All right, we're gonna have the baby kill itself at the end. See, let's see. What are the kids like? (laughs) Baby murder. This was Ashton Kutcher's uh, like vehicle into like serious film. And you're making fun of it. (laughs) Fuck him. But so so Eric Bress wrote and directed another movie called Ghosts of War. Which I have not watched. I will not watch because I have read some of the worst reviews for this movie. It came out last year, um, and it is, oof, it's rough. It, uh, it it's one of those like we. It's got a twist ending movies, and it is just really ham fisted. Um, Again, I don't have an opinion on this. I'm talking about other people, what other people have told me uh, and what I have read, but it's supposed to be really, really fucking bad. Um, and let's see, what did uh, fucking dude, what else did he work on? Oh, he wrote uh, he wrote Final Destination 2. 
Uh, he was the serious creator on that show, Kyle XY. <laughs> with all the fucking um, subway all, posters of the guy the showing the no belly button. No belly button, yeah. Um, <laughs> he also wrote The Final Destination because <laughs> I love... I love when they they break from a a title convention like a naming convention to make it more confusing. That's great. I yeah, that's awesome. Um, the other person that worked on this that was co-writer co-director is a guy named Jay Mackey Gruber, uh, and he has worked on every nearly everything that Eric Press has worked on. Uh, yeah, that. yeah, just nothing of note. But hey, still working, still getting uh, the job done. Speaking of like the title sequence, if if the next Fast and Furious movie isn't called Fast Ten, your seatbelts, yes. I feel like they've lost like so many. It's the most <laughs> obvious a gold opportunity. It's the most obvious thing in the world. You 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 need to commit to this. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading over Kyle XY's um, synopsis right now, <laughs> and I wish I hadn't. It's no. Orphan Black before Orphan Black, baby. Can I mention real quick the um, the sudden and like flood of Dom family memes that took over the internet for like five days, and oh. the fact that I am pretty sure that that was a grima, a guerrilla marketing campaign. You think? I am convinced, because like. They touch so many different genres. Like I was, I saw them on like the Devil May Cry Reddit. I saw them on like the <laughs> the fucking Kingdom Hearts Reddit. There was some shitty intern at a desk in California who's just pumping out memes, trying to touch as many different genres as possible, just trying to spread that shit everywhere, just to remind people that the Fast and Furious Nine movie was coming out. Like there is no way that that was an organic happening. I just picture, like, when they were in production for the movie, they were like, all right, Jimmy, the intern, <laughs> get on your laptop and make as many of these fucking family memes as you possibly can. It's going to take me easily a year. It's fine. Do it. It's part of the plan. Yeah. Like, I <laughs> I can see it. But I've also never seen a meme die that quickly. Like, that, yeah. that it, it cleared up so fast. And then it was gone. Because it was fake and we could smell the insincerity on it. Wow. Okay. I'm, so. I'm convinced that's some that's a, some fucking bold shit right there but wow i'm, I'm convinced i'm in um I'm on the butterfly effect yeah trivia page uh, imdb page look at the trivia and there's a whole <laughs> block of just talking about the endings yeah <laughs> there are four of them there are four ultimate endings most of them involve evan and kaylee having if, of course your fucking name is kaylee having a <laughs> chance meeting as adults in a timeline where they never knew each other as children and the first Evan turns around and talks to Kaylee at the same time. Um, okay, I guess they both turn around and talk to each other at the same time. In the second, Evan turns around after Kaylee has already turned around and follows her. The directors referred to this one as the, quote, happy, sappy stalker ending, and said that if the studio had insisted upon it being in the theatrical cut, they'd have publicly distanced themselves from the movie. In the third ending, Kaylee turns around first, and then Evan turns around uh, and Kaylee walks away. Evan stands there for a minute, then walks away and does not follow her. Directors called this uh, this the happy, sappy ending and said it was the minimum ending they'd be willing to accept in the theatrical cut. If the studio insisted on it, since Evan at least uh, learned some lesson about sac- self-sacrifice. In the fourth one, 
Evan watches a home movie of his birth rather than him meeting Haley. He travels into the movie and strangles himself in the womb. Yeah. This can be seen at the end of the director's cut. Uh, this was always the director's preferred ending. <laughs> but it was deemed by the studio to be too grim for the theatrical release, which features the ending of Evan telling Kaylee off at a childhood party, thus keeping them from developing any relationship. I cannot fucking believe that is what they wanted the ending well, to be. Thing, I fully believe that because like in the and dude, I can't remember where I put my fucking keys down five minutes ago, but I remember everything about the butterfly effect. Um <laughs> Earlier in the movie, they talk about how, like, Evan was their miracle child because they had tried before and they had lost, like, another baby. And I think either, like, two other babies. So it's kind of, like, implied that this shit keeps happening. Oh, my God. So, like, since he strangled himself in the womb, they didn't have that child. So they kept trying to have kids. So it's just going to fucking happen again with the next kid that inherits the dad's, like, weird, like, fucking time travel if I read my journal, like, powers. Fucking wackiness. Yes. <laughs> Again, s- dumb people trying to make a smart movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's ugh, just... And writing the most amazing prison lines. Obviously. <laughs> 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 you either shit on my dick or blood on my knife. What the fuck? Jesus That's, Christ. There's our next GGR shirt right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quick, print it. Get it out to the fans. <laughs> Uh, stop let's the presses. Do an, let's do another time travel movie. Um, we, I was talking about Terminator. Um, I just watched it this week. And um, so I had seen it before as a kid, but like, I don't know why I never put two and two together as a child other than like I was a dumb kid. But like, that's a fucking horror movie. Yeah. And like, I just, I never, I never like put it into that category. It was always just like an action adventure sci-fi movie. That is a fucking horror movie because I, I just like contextualized it for a second i was like because um uh paul winfield literally says the line you're in a uh, building full of 30 cops you'll you're in the safest place in la and she's not because Ooh. he goes into that police office or police station and just wrecks house and like it just yeah nobody stands a chance i mean like that was yeah that's a horror movie at its purest and like but man, that movie holds up. That that movie is going to be how old? Fuck! It's going to be forty in two in three years. Yeah, yeah, it'll be forty in uh, two thousand twenty-four because it came out in eighty-four. That movie still holds up, man. Like the special effects are a little wonky at parts where like it's it's like robot Arnold's face. Like you can tell that it's like that they they did something with that. But it's Stan Winston. I mean, like his he's a fucking genius. So like for the eighties, it's pretty goddamn good. And like still frightening as fuck and like after they blow up that tanker truck and you're just like oh it's over kyle and and sarah connor are gonna live together and they're gonna be happy it's gonna be fucking weird because he's from the future but who cares like it'll be great and then the fucking robot comes out of the fire and i'm like oh this yeah yeah definitely a horror movie like that that's not only does the does the t-800 come out of the fire it's now more frightening yeah it's the it's like you get the final reveal of the of the of the monster like full on this is we've been dealing with a, at least something that looked human this whole time so you could kind of lie to yourself and 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 fool yourself into thinking like it actually is human no now we know full on unequivocally this is a monster that is here to murder her so there are a couple of things in the movie that definitely um they, they don't break character but like you can tell that Arnold like pitched real real hard 
to get these into the movie. Because there's the part where he's in the gun store and he's buying all that shit, right? Um, when he kills the, the gun shop owner, the guy goes, hey, you can't do that in here. He goes, wrong. And then blows him away. Like, <laughs> do you really think a killing machine robot is going to say that? Like, it's not going to say anything. It's just going to murder him. But you can tell Arnold would be like, uh, hey, listen, um, I think we need to add this line in because it would be funny and it dark humor, you know? And, like, Cameron's like, I don't fucking whatever. Sure, do it. I don't care. Like, because, and he does that a couple of times, too. Because, like, the I'll be back line, which is, like, one of his most iconic lines, why would he ever say that if he's a killing machine? He would just walk out and drive into the building. But, like, again, like... Arnold just had to slip these lines in, like, guaranteed. Like, again, I mean, it was the early 80s. There's probably a lot of coke going around. And they were like, this is going to be fucking killer, dude. Like, people are going to lose their minds when they, hear, when they hear him say this shit. Like, Slight tangent, but, like, it continually, like, baffles my mind that even though he went around, like, fucking literally everything that moves, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has one of the best reputations of Republicans yeah. out there. Like... Like, we're like, okay, but you're like, you're not fully evil in policy, even though, like, you literally, like, screwed everything. I think it's because he's honest. It sounds weird, but he's, they'll be like, uh, Mr. Schwarzenegger, it's come to be revealed that you, uh, you had a sexual relationship with this woman in the 80s. He's like, huh, yeah, yeah, I did that, yeah. Like, just doesn't, doesn't hide it. Like, the fact that he seems to have some sort of moral code, like, he was adamantly against Trump. Like, he was like, he was like, I'm not having any of that shit. Like, I think I, it's it's weird when when the fucking guy from Predator, the hero from Predator, is is the one who's your moral compass in your party. Yeah, it's, it's like, very what, fucking strange. Yeah. Well, and it's like, what's her, I can't remember her name. Um, the daughter of that one dude who had the man-sized safe in the in the White House, uh, Cheney. Um, yeah, Liz Cheney's daughter, or Liz, Liz Cheney, daughter. yeah. Yeah, uh, she's the senator now. She's the one who's like, no, we we, we should probably do an investigation into what happened uh, January 6th. And they're all like, no, blah, blah. And people were like, oh, Liz Cheney, she's the hero. Like, no, she still sucks. Yeah. She's just like, this one time, she's not being a like total juice bag, to use the vernacular. Like, she's the, this one time. But it's not that she's great. It's just that they have sunk the bar for their party so low like so incredibly low like you could like schluff over it and like nobody would even fucking notice like <laughs> like like i i was like i did do some research and i was listening to your podcast about the um the political affiliations of the avengers oh, yeah. and like you kept saying to these guys like they're just too good and I'm, like that's the problem like the the republican party as it exists is not the republican party like if we were to like just look at like what this platform is gonna be i think most of us would be comfortable saying like tony stark would probably be a republican but like it's not about fiscal responsibility and like individual liberty and shit like that it's about like hey the brown people fuck them right so it's yeah it's just so easy to be like seem like really awesome when all you did was have basic decency that's what makes it sad too it's because it's no longer a a matter of like who's a good person anymore because it, it now becomes a thing where it's like you can't be if you're affiliated with this party in any way shape or form because anybody that does have a backbone or a soul in any way shape or form is immediately ostracized cheney is a perfect example she's like hey look i still have some really really shitty beliefs but um we should probably investigate the fact that like there were literal alarms turned off in 
in the Capitol building so that people could break in here and try to murder people. Why are we not investigating that? And they're like, fuck you. You're not one of us. Yeah, like, let's look sit- into the coup. Yeah. You can't sit at our table anymore. And like, she's the asshole. That's what's crazy. It's, yeah. Yeah. Like, same thing with Mitt Romney. He also a piece of shit. Yeah. But like a lesser degree of shit. And like even he, even even Romney, even Romney, they're just like, yeah, fuck you, Romney. And it just it, I don't get it, man. I really I mean, I get it. But like it, it's baffling to me that people can be that blatantly cruel and greedy and racist and people still just lap that shit up. I, for one, am looking forward to the next primary where Mitt Romney loses resoundingly to DeSantos from Florida and he is the next because like like everything you're saying about Romney is right but I also like I can see him he just always happens to be at the walkout where the media is and he's always he always happens to be in the perfect position of like to like position himself as like the reasonable center of the Republican Party like okay you're gonna run for president again I'm not a fucking idiot I know what you're doing and he's totally gonna get smashed yeah. by whatever Trumpite, who I personally think is DeSantos. Like, you don't go on Fox News to sign completely insane and racist legislation with great fanfare unless you're planning on running for president in the United States. Yeah. Initially, it was going to be Matt Gates, but, you know, he's got a thing for little girls, so that's not going to work out. Yeah. Yeah, that one's a little harder to pitch now. Not yeah. not impossible. Not no. by any stretch. No. We were all just a little tougher. One, just, like, a little bit well the fact of the matter is it's the globalists who are supporting the cabals of liberal elites who are frightening children to drink their blood and get high off adrenochrome like, uh, yeah yeah i mean i just got my shipment of adrenochrome from uh from amazon so i'm good uh like i was talking to rambo about being on here not to peek behind the veil and he's like what do you know about i'm like i know fucking everything about q <laughs> and he's like maybe not that <laughs> I'm actually, you know what? We're this is gonna dovetail. Um, I we may have you on another episode because I want to know all about that shit. I like, would, I would talk about Q. I would talk about Alex Jones and Q for, for fucking ever. Then, then we'll set a date. Okay. Um, <laughs> Raining it back in for the app diner stuff though. Um, <laughs> so, time travel, Terminator, fucking dope. Um, I, I gotta watch T2 coming up here soon because I haven't seen that in a really, really long time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. But Rambo, you said something really interesting the other day that made a lot of sense. If they hadn't revealed that Schwarzenegger was the good guy in this one, in the trailers, that would have been a fucking great reveal. Oh, yeah. If you, if you went into Terminator 2 without knowing anything about it and only having seen the first Terminator movie... The scene in the hallway in the mall where John comes around the corner, like the the, the setup for the entire thing is it, like it, it, it not scene for scene necessarily, but it matches the first movie. And so you're like, OK, we're just repeating this whole thing. Only John is the focus as opposed to Sarah. Like they couldn't get to Sarah. So now they're going to just kill, the, kill John before he's an adult. So you have Robert Patrick running around. Uh, you know, and, and, and he's dressed like the cop and he's looking for John and, and you see Schwarzenegger and like, you know, the first thing he does is he like beats the shit out of an entire biker bar. Um, and so, and I mean, like, and there's there's very basic uh, um, like visual archetypes that you're, you're playing with, like cop, good, biker, bad. Uh, and then 
you finally get like I, but but even even with doing that it's that's what really frustrates me about Cameron is he is a really fucking good director um he's just an asshole uh yeah you you're getting little hints of like no something's up with this cop like when he'll ask the kids in the in the arcade like hey have you seen you know this this boy is you know you know John Connor uh and he like <laughs> walk away from them and like grab one and just throw them out of the way <laughs> you're like Hold on, what's going on here? Um, but then you, there's that hallway scene where where uh, uh, John is running away from you know all the all from the from the the cop, and he comes down this hallway behind you know in the in the back of the mall, and cop comes around the corner, and then you see Schwarzenegger, and they start playing the theme, and you're like, fuck, he's gonna die, and then Schwarzenegger says, get down. And that's when you get the reveal, like, no, 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 he's here to protect you from the fucking police officer. And you're like, oh, shit, that's fucking wild. Like, the way it plays out, it's it's like, it's it's the problem of um, certain, like, twists and turns and plot being so part of pop culture now. Like, I absolutely love The Shawshank Redemption, but I don't know if I ever thought that Andy was guilty. I, I can't remember if I ever believed that. In my head, he's always been innocent. But if you watch that movie, not knowing, that's a hell of a reveal. That it actually, because it, it, the movie is set up for you to not know one way or the other until they get it, like, until it's told to you concretely, no, he actually is innocent. And everything he's been dealing with has been that much worse. Um, but yeah, no, that fucking T2 reveal is so yeah. goddamn good. And then, like, the Terminator franchise just kept doing what they do best uh, by way of fucking up their great reveals um, with Salvation and with Genesis. And, like, come on. Like, they didn't do it with, with, uh, with the most recent one. Um, what is it? Dark Fate, I think. Um, they didn't do it. Uh, and, and if you haven't watched it, I know a lot of people avoided it because they were burnt out on the franchise. I highly recommend that movie. I really, really recommend that movie. Um, it is, uh, it's got a lot of sort of like, oh, okay, this thing is here. Like there's, you know, Skynet, that's not Skynet, that's there. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter. That That's not important. That's not what the movie's about. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really well made and it has a lot of interesting themes and explores a lot of cool ideas. Um, and it addresses a problem that I did not realize was a problem with the franchise until I was watching that movie. And that is all I will say about that movie. And we'll talk about it later, too, because we're going to try to do a rewatch at some point. But, um, yeah, it's, again, time travel. Like, I want to get everybody's take on, like, a movie that they really enjoy that, that involves time travel. And then we're going to dovetail into our second topic, which is going to be realism and like in film and media in general and like does it fucking matter um so katie you're our guest give me give me a time travel movie other than the butterfly effect because we're done talking about that i'm pretty sure <laughs> um, I, why not um yeah. <laughs> i'm trying to think of what i'd say my favorite time travel movie is i'm in vamping and trying to decide on my favorite movie i'm going to bring up probably my favorite depiction of it in television uh is in the good place um, where they're like, it's just 
what was the name? Uh, Jeremy Baramy. And it's yeah. just how time goes and it loops back around and it's just how it is. And it like, it's such an unknowable concept. They just made it more ridiculous and they just folded it in with everything else. And you were just like, okay, fucking I'm, we're at the loop in the B and I come back around and I can re-enter time at that point. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> um, it works. Uh, but, but like, I was going to say my favorite movie that involves time travel. Um, like, there's a lot of nostalgia, of course, for fucking... Um, my brain is dead. It's like the most famous time travel movie of all time. <laughs> Back, to the future. Uh, Back to the Future? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, like, that... I am so familiar with that movie, and I've seen it so many times, it doesn't really feel like a time travel movie. And I know that sounds insane. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, it just feels secondary to, like, the characters at this point for me. I get that. Because time travel is not the focus. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like I'm going back in time and here I am. And now I just realize that I can help fix my parents' life, basically. Like, yeah. And, and yeah, it's because, like, the the science of the time, tra of time travel is, like, just quickly glossed over. It's like um, plutonium, uh, fucking uh, DeLorean, um... That's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I got upgrades, and now it runs on trash. Yeah. Like, and, fucking and giga, fine. Usually, fucking oh. gigawatts and and lightning and what the hell's a gigawatt? And yeah, like. I but like in thinking about it, I have I have and like I'm genuinely going to tell you my favorite movie that involves uh, time travel, and I am willing to take the shit that may or may not come with this. Let's um, hear it. Fucking Star Trek Two with the whales. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> fucking love that movie. I grew up with that movie. Why would you catch shit for that? Who would give you shit know. for that? Dude, Star Trek, did, like, I am a woman in nerdery. I'm ready to take shit for whatever my opinion hey, is. I, I, I can understand that, but you will, <laughs> get no, you will get no such shit here from yeah, me. No. Uh, if I'm going to shit Rambo on you, and if Rambo does friend, it, if Rambo does it I will fight him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you did not shit on that double dumbass on you. <laughs> well like yeah going around like like i, I know like the, the like the great like star trek movies that people remember are the ones like on the planet and the con and like no i just want to go back in time with the whales and i want bones to be in the hospital and make fun of our shitty health care and <laughs> like fucking mind melt some whales like I, that, that is my favorite star trek movie that scene that scene where he saves that woman who's on dialysis <laughs> When she that, that literally makes me tear up every time when she's so excited she's like the doctor gave me a pill and it grew a new kidney and like yeah, it, yeah like because Bones is so shitty all the time right he's yeah. just constantly like pissed off at the world and he, he's like what's the matter with you and she's like kidney dialysis he's like my god is this the dark ages just hands her a pill he's like take this and then like slaps her on the cheek he's like you have any problems you call me and oh, like he literally dialysis. fixes what <laughs> yeah he yeah he fixes her shit with like five seconds like. Yeah. And like, again, the whole like, hey, we're not supposed to fuck with the timeline. He's like, eh, balls to that. I'm going to give this old lady a kidney. <laughs> like, what What are you going to do? She's going to live 10 more years comfortably. Exactly. Like, whatever. That woman like, was Joan Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but like, no. And like, Bones, like, yeah, he's like an asshole. But he's like one of my favorite kind of assholes. I, I have a thing for assholes. Um, but, uh, He's got that kind of like asshole thing about him where it's like it's from compassion fatigue and it's from empathy fatigue. Yeah. And like it feels like he's seen so much that he's just done 
emoting. He's like, the world sucks because I've seen it all and it sucks. But he like still cares about people. Yeah, absolutely. That's Star Trek for the voyage home is just an absolute delight. That's another movie that holds up really, really well um, on a rewatch. And like, yeah, there's just so much good about that movie. I Yeah, I, I love that one as well. I think that's a solid choice. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jimothy Rambo, what about you? So are you looking for a favorite or just a movie to talk to talk about? Uh, we can do both. I don't care. I honestly can't tell if I love or hate this movie. <laughs> um, Start, right? Because it is, it, it there is a very common trope in time travel stories where, um, you know, the character that you were interacting with was always X person all along. And it's only from perspective that you realize who X person is and, you know, like this, you know, multiple characters showing up in the same place, but from different, you know, different ages and things, um, which can be good. It can be bad. Uh, it's certainly done. It's certainly been handled in both uh, uh, aspects uh, throughout stories. A movie called Predestination. Either of y'all seen this? No, I, I was convinced you were going to talk about Looper. No, I, I haven't watched Looper in a while. I am sure it's awesome. Uh, because I love, love, love Ryan Johnson. Um, Looper is good good shit, man. I, yeah, the, the, the fucking sequence where the, the guy's running from uh, from the gangster and, like, body parts are dropped, like, disappearing from him because they're torturing his younger self. That's fucking awesome. Um, no, Predestination. Predestination um, is a movie that is maybe too clever for its own good. I don't know. It doesn't really feel like it revels in the, huh? Yeah, you see that? Yeah. It's more like they're just telling the story, but it the movie is built around that trope I talked about 100%. To the point where, I mean, like, I can't talk about this without talking spoilers. So if you haven't seen Predestination and you want to watch it, go watch it. It, uh, the the uh, Ethan Hawke plays uh, uh, one of the leads. I am blanking on her name. I think it's Sarah something. But the woman from um, Sarah Snook. Sarah Snook. Yes, Sarah Snook is. Uh, she's she's in that uh, that HBO series um, with Brian Cox and uh, and one of the Culkins. Um, she is incredible in it. Um, I think it's Kieran Culkin. Um, but uh, it it's a it's a it's a fucking Exception. time travel story. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. And the the spoiler. I'm just trying to watch it either way. If it's good, I'll watch it. Just put it together. Yeah. Yeah. The story is taking that takes place in the present is um, clearly Sarah Snook uh, um, is a trans man and is at a bar where Ethan Hawke is the bartender. And Ethan Hawke starts kind of like, you know, being kind of odd and asking asking them very interesting questions uh, about like their past and who they are and stuff. And so they go through uh, and give you a full breakdown of like, I, you know, grew up in the 50s and I wanted to join NASA and, and be part of something bigger in the 60s and 70s. Um, and... It, you know, it was only over time that I realized who I really was and all this. And the the movie hinges on Ethan Hawke is a 
he's an agent from like a time travel bureau. Like they're they're the people that police time. You know, also a very common uh, and used trope. I mean, we just saw that uh, the, the entirety of Loki, uh, the series is built around that idea. Um, and so Ethan Hawke is there to recruit this person to join up. Um, and the reveal is to, to, to catch this terrorist. There, there's a terrorist that's going through, going around and leaving bombs, not just in major cities, but in major cities throughout the timeline. Um, and the reveal is that Ethan Hawke and Sarah Snook are the same person. It's just that Ethan Hawke is them further down the line, uh, like much further into their transition. But then the further reveal is they're also the terrorist. Nice. They... And, it, and it's this thing of like, I can't tell if this is kind of genius or really dumb. I'm really <laughs> honestly not sure. It's it's the same way you described Kang the Conqueror as a character. Oh yeah, Kang the Conqueror as a character. It, it, uh, it's one of the most. It's one of the dumbest things. That's also one of the most awesome things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I fucking love the Kang Amortis Rama Tut thing. It's, yeah. And, and, and Iron Lad. Yeah, the character is four different characters. Um, at least four, maybe five or six, um, and I, yeah, I fucking love it. Um, but with 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 Kang the Conqueror, there is a degree of like, well, yeah, it's it's comics over the last sixty years. It's gonna be goofy. Yeah. Whereas with Predestination, I don't think they necessarily take themselves too seriously, but they play it straight. Like they play it very much like, no, no, this is just what happens. This is how the story plays out. Um, so yeah, I I. Uh, Obviously, for you two and anybody who's still listening, um, you cannot go into this uh, surprise anymore. But I'm curious to hear what other people think about this, particularly my trans folks, because it's a it's it's a I don't know if this is good or bad representation, um, because it, yeah. like the 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 way it's broken down in the story, it's again played very straight. Uh, but I don't know to one, first and foremost, it's two cis people playing a trans character. Um, so there's, there's no getting around that. Um, but it's, it's the degree to which I'm like, is this like well-made or is this just kind of like, are they, are they throwing too many things at the wall to see what sticks? Um, and I, I need to rewatch it. I haven't watched it for a couple of years now. And me and Katie watched it together. Uh, girlfriend Katie, not friend Katie. Uh, and we were both like, huh. Okay. That's. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. So, yeah. Predestination, uh, which is apparently streaming on Pluto TV right now. Oh, shit. Yeah. I have, I have Pluto, so there you go. It's it's an interesting concept for sure, and like you said, like I don't know, is it is it proper representation? Is it not? Like, yeah, that's that that's not really a question for us to answer. Well, we can't answer it, you know. Like, be kind of messed up to be like, no, 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 you guys shouldn't be offended because no, look, look, it's Ethan Hawke. Like, look at him. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So a question a question to have answered another day, and this is the perfect segue into this too. Because we've talked a little bit about time travel movies, but also a, a topic that I know, based on conversations we've had, that is near and dear to Katie's heart. Realism in media. Like, does it matter? Like, Makes everything so much better. Does it, though? Because, like... 
So I let me let me tell you what inspired this train of thought that I've been on for the last couple of weeks. I was hate watching a prominent and popular YouTube series uh, with a friend of mine where they review movies. And this dude, they're talking about Mamma Mia, right? And all of his takes are bad, but he's got like, you know that like folk, that like fake woke thing that some dudes do where they're like, yeah, I'm hip and down and I support women, but they're also you're just fucking being a dick. Um, yep. He's like, oh, I'm taking down like the, like the chick flick genre. And this is an example of like placating to women and shit like that. And he was wrong about so many things, but, and like, I am not, I am not coming here to tell you that Mamma Mia and the subsequent sequel, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, are fine cinema, okay? But like, I feel like they have a place. Like it's a, it's, it's like, it's a movie for me and my mom to watch and get drunk and just fucking listen to ABBA. You know what I mean? Like it's- Singing and it, to ABBA, yeah. And it, and I feel like where it succeeds is it knows very well that that's what it is. Um, but the part that inspired all of this that we got to was they're talking about when the like the, the young guy and the young girl are singing on the beach and he's like, oh, and this isn't a very realistic like example of what happens the day before your wedding. And I'm like, how the hell would this movie be improved by her sitting around worrying that she's too bloated to fit into a dress and having an existential crisis about all of her life decisions. Like, cause that's what the day before a wedding is realistically like, like how would that improve this musical lighthearted romp to be more realistic in this moment? Like, and then at the same time, he goes on to bitch and moan about how like, um, Oh, Meryl Streep hadn't had enough voice lessons and like fucking what's his name from Remnant and Steel. Oh, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan sounds like shit. Well, like, well, you know what? In real life, not everybody sings really well. So what you want is fucking realism. There you go. But it kind of inspired this thing. Like, like I had a professor um, and when I went to college, uh, and I was like in environmental and object design with Hernandez. And he's like, everybody gets one because it's cool. And you don't need an explanation for it. It's just because it's cool. Because people have a tendency to do that. They, they think it's better if it's cool without any explanation. And I think we've kind of swung the other way. And we went so long with our media and like video games and anime and movies not being able to be fully realistic. We've gotten this idea that realism is the brass ring and that's what you want to go for and like we made that decision because it's real because it's more lifelike and that has merit in itself but the fact of the matter is it's not it's a storytelling tool just like everything's a storytelling tool and if it makes sense for the story and it and i have good examples of it um it's well worth it but making something more realistic just be to make it more realistic not only is useless but it also is often detrimental to the story you're trying to tell yep and i think (laughs) realism is is a subjective term too because they say truth is stranger than fiction uh truth is stranger than fiction there's been some real life shit that you wouldn't even believe actually happened like yeah so you can't really say that, oh, well, this isn't realistic. Like, it's 
I'm trying to remember. There was a movie, and I cannot remember exactly what it was, but they literally were doing – it was, like, based on a true story, and they had to change certain aspects of it because people wouldn't actually believe that that's what happened. But that is what happened. <laughs> and ultimately, like, it, it doesn't it, – it shouldn't matter if you can – if you tell the story correctly. If you tell a good story, it shouldn't matter. So, like – a quick aside to that, just at least my perspective on this, and, I, and I've, I've said this a million times on the airwaves here. The reason why that guy shits on everything on YouTube is because he's convinced that that's the only way that he can be popular. Because we created that monster. Howard Stern <laughs> created that monster. We created the monster that cruelty and mean is the way to get money and to get likes and to get popular. And like, honestly, it worked. It worked for a really, really long time. There's a million pieces of shit out there who are millionaires now because of YouTube who did it by being pieces of shit. Yeah. Like the Logan and Jake Paul are perfect examples of that. Like there's so many examples of that. And like I'm I'm starting to see it shift a little bit. I hope it continues to go that way that like being a good person actually matters. And well, like Sorry. No, you're fine. That that was that was my point. You're good. Yeah. I mentioned earlier that i'm a big fan of wow and one of the things with wow right now is that like all of the creators like all of the titles are like this is killing wow and this is the worst thing ever and like bad things happen but like it's not, like calm down bellular gaming like the, it's not the end of the world that like this thing happened or that this happened like it's negativity it's the cycle like negativity breeds views but you're also spreading the negativity and people feel worse and it's like and at the end of the day it's a goddamn video game and if you don't like it don't play it but like you don't need to but obviously you make your livelihood off of it so yeah it's you just got to continue being negative yeah continue to to consume the poison because the poison makes you prettier you know like it's it, it's it's a toxic thing and like honestly i think that a lot of these people can't actually differentiate anymore what they actually hate and what they're just doing they're they're pretending to hate because it's going to get them clicks yeah it's up there with the uh the hipster i like this ironically <laughs> at a certain point you like so many stupid things ironically at, like where do you draw the line between you and you actually enjoy i mean like fucking kurt vonnegut said you know we are what we, what we pretend to be you know so yeah in the in the and, and this goes to you know fucking you know 4chan and bchan and all that bullshit where like oh no no, no i'm just being racist and sexist as a joke yeah. and it's like well if you keep doing that eventually you know that's it's ideas are insidious they are gonna you know dig their way in but also well why did you go to that for the joke yeah why was that the place that you thought oh this would be really funny um but well, yeah, on top of that, you like you give cover to the people who don't mean it as a joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not only that, too, it becomes it, it's the it's lazy. Like it's the it's the cheapest thing you can do to get a reaction, not a laugh a reaction. And that's the other thing, too, is it's been revealed in recent years that it's not about how many likes you get on YouTube. It's just it, it's any reaction whatsoever, whether it's a thumbs up, a thumbs down, a, a negative comment any sort of interaction is positive all all of it it's engagement it. engagement that's the word i was looking good for. or bad thank you yes yeah good or bad it's engagement and like that's yeah. that's fucking frightening but like to kind of pivot back to the realism thing i don't want realism in media and the reason why is because i have to live realism 24 7 of my fucking life 
give me give me some off the wall wacky shit. Have Tony Stark and Bruce Banner come up with some way to go back in time and get all the fucking time stones and have a fucking time heist and have it not make any goddamn sense. I don't give a shit. And somebody's like, well, it doesn't make sense because if they do that, it's going to create a divergent time. Oh, shut the fuck up. It's cool. <laughs> it's, and, like you, and like you said, Katie, because it, it's fucking cool. That's why. Yeah. I'm going to go back and, and fight my former self and then be like, yeah, that's America's ass. Yeah, because that shit's cool. Like, <laughs> You're allowed to have things that are that are just fun like that and but like it's also um like the best example of this because sometimes people are like well what do you mean like i think i think the easiest to point to example is the new lion king movie the new animated lion king movie because like one of the things that i want to like punch somebody in the face is when they call it live action because there's no fucking lions in that movie (laughs) it's 100 percent cg all the they had to they had to record lions for like 35 years in order for them to make the right mouth movements in order to mimic. <laughs> this has been a decades process. This is, this is a film that Walt Disney himself started working on. And it wasn't until recently that we were able to complete all the footage. It's going to be the live action version of an animated movie that we haven't even created yet because Walt Disney was a fucking time traveler. Boom. Hey, did you like wanted. boyhood? <laughs> what if it was about lions? <laughs> But like, like there's there, there's two differences that I have seen in that movie. It's the realism and one line, which was like, the, okay, let me just. This is what I think is the worst sin of that movie. Um, so like the big, the big part of the Lion King, the thing that everybody remembers, is when Mufasa is like crawling himself up, and Scar's there, and you have this like brief moment of hope that Mufasa might live because you're like, Scar's up to some shady shit, but like maybe he's going to get out of the cavern. You know what I mean? And he goes, Scar, brother, help me. Right. And it's like, there's so much in just those four fucking words. Like, like, I know we've had our shit, but you are my brother and I will die if you don't help me right here in this moment. You know what I mean? And clearly you love me. You're not going to let me die. Yeah. And in the remake, they cut. They say, Scar, help me. They cut out the word brother. And uh, I know. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I feel so validated. Because I was about <laughs> to be like, like, I know it's a small, nerdy, pedantic difference. But no, there's just so much to that one word. The implication there. Yeah, um, it, it's, 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 as, it's as much Mufasa saying it, as, saying it uh, for himself as it is reminding Scar who he is and how, what their relationship is. Yeah. But, um, but so that, that's the other big thing, but like, otherwise, if you look at it back to back, it's fine. It's a shot for shot remake of a really a solidly good movie. It's probably got a better cast. Like, cause like looking back, it was kind of weird that it was like all white people voicing lions. Yeah. It's not great. Um, <laughs> not great. We, not, what, not what, what, there's, there's a oh fuck I'm trying to think of like I feel like there's like one or two actors of color in the original Whoopi cast Goldberg, but she was, was one, one of the hyenas. hyenas she's one of the hyenas yeah. Cheech Marin is one of the hyenas as well yeah well fucking James Earl Jones is the is... that's true James oh Earl that's Jones right James Earl Jones and and um Matt is it Matt Sinclair uh uh hang on I'm looking it up right it, now it's, but it's, like Jonathan Taylor Thomas Jonathan Taylor Thomas white is never white I'm not completely uh, shitting on 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 this concept because there is there is some some validity to it. Zazu was Rowan Atkinson, uh, Nikita Kalame Harris was Young Nala, uh, Matthew Broderick was Simba, Jim Cummings was Jeremy Ed. Iron, the star. Um, I know that now. Yeah, oh, yes. 
Robert Guillaume was Rafiki. Um, okay, there, there are definitely more than we remember. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, for the most part, a lot of the characters you've named have been side characters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Madge Sinclair a, was also, yeah, but yeah, like you said. Uh, in, 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 a, in a movie that is set in Africa about African animals and African characters, um, the, still the black people are pushed off to the side. Yeah, yeah. that's that's, um, that's fair. Because why are you going to have the, the singing voice of young Simba? And I'm looking for it right now. Yes, um, that's what it was. I knew he was in that fucking movie. I knew he was a voice in that movie. Yeah. Um, Jason something. Uh, Jason Weaver. Jason Weaver, yes. Yeah, why not just have him be the talking voice? Oh, wait, that's because right, because we have to have... a professional actor. <laughs> yeah. Home Alone was a big deal. Because we need to... <laughs> because we need to have... We need Home to have improvement. Man- <laughs> we need to have Home- mayonnaise on white bread. Oh, that's right, Home Improvement. God damn it. I was like, it would have been funny if I wasn't an idiot. I don't... What? Um, why? Home Improvement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was was, was Jonathan Taylor Thomas in Home Improvement? What? Yeah, he was the middle he's son. A, he was the hot he's one. He's the middle kid. No, in home, uh, home, home Alone. No, no, no. See, I no, fucked it up, was. too. That was me. See, now I fucked it up. confused the fuck out of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all your fault. Forget about the it second is. episode. It's over. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> done. Professionally, you and I are done. It's over. Um, You'll never work in this podcast industry <laughs> again. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like, like, live. that movie is worse because it's harder to read the emotions on the stupid lion's faces uh. because they went so hard for realism. And li- that movie only exists because we can make it more realistic. Mm-hmm. That, and like, that you could have just redubbed the movie with like Childish Gambino, which I'm all about, and yes. fucking like Queen Bay, and like, yes, and it would be better and You'd, and just be a re-release and people still would have gone to see it people would have done like it would have been a thing but you had to reanimate it realistically and market it as live action so that stupid people could think that you actually got a lion to act and like, like man how they get the lion to do that <laughs> it's, it's, how long uh, did it take him to teach that line that sound like goddamn uh james Earl jones <laughs> It's up there. I mean, it's 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 part of Disney's whole live action copyright renewal yep. uh, 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 project. Uh, they're like, oh no, 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 this is different. This is different. You can't, like, yeah, sure, you can, you can, you know, when that when that copyright eventually lapses, you can use that image. But if you call that character Simba, well, unfortunately, we have a new character called Simba. So yeah, it's but yeah, good. no, that was that was the number one thing that bugged me was. You and, and, and keep in mind, I'm not giving an opinion on this movie. I've not watched this movie. I have no interest in watching this movie, specifically because of what Katie said. When you look at those characters, they do not emote in nearly the same way as they do in the 2D animated movie, because they they can't, uh, or at the very least, the animators didn't go for uh, those same sort of extreme reactions. And 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 facial expressions, um, and I think it's. I mean, and like I'm I'm basing this on the trailers and shit, but I think it's gonna be a lesser movie because of it. It and is. Like sucks. I I have seen it. <laughs> I saw that shit in theaters. Ugh. Um, 
I let me tell you why. I was traveling and I was in uh, Denver, Colorado, and I was tired from walking around for days. And I was like, they have one of those nice movie theaters with the reclining chairs. What's the least offensive thing playing right now? <laughs> and it was yeah, it was the new uh, the new Lion King. Um, yeah. I watched uh, Eli, Eli Roth's remake of Death Wish, starring Bruce Willis. For pretty much, for a very similar reason. Uh, I had two hours to kill. Uh, this is when I was still working in the theater. I had two hours to kill before dinner. And it lined up perfectly with my schedule. And I was like, all right, let's go watch a stupid movie. And guess what? <laughs> it was fucking horrible. It was absolutely terrible. So, you know what's interesting? I have a similar situation, but a completely <laughs> opposite reaction. So, years ago, when you were young and you had to have your parents drop you off at the mall uh, so you could go see a movie. Um, Independence Day had come out. And I was like, I have to go see this fucking movie. This looks amazing. And like, none of my friends could like line up their schedules so that they could go to. I was like, fuck all of you. I will go see this by myself. And I did. The only problem was is when I got to the movie theater, it, it was already sold out. And they were like, all right, but the next showing is gonna be available in like two hours. Um, and I was like, well, fuck, what am I going to do for two hours? And I was like, wait, I have enough money. I can see a second movie. And I was like, you know what? Let me see the So I Married an Axe Murderer movie. With oh, me. shit. And I watched So I Married an Axe Murderer with uh, Mike Myers. And God damn it, I love that movie. That is one of my, still to this day, one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. I love that movie. That fucking part with Phil Hartman as the guard at, um, <laughs> at Alcatraz. <laughs> at Alcatraz. <laughs> and <he's... laughs> they took they turns did. pissing in. <laughs> And bitches, I, 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 I
can't keep up with their with their commitments. And it's a it's a real problem, and it's a real moment, and it's a real thing that people go through. Because like I I I don't know if I'm the only one who struggled with anxiety and depression, but like <laughs> <laughs> something like that. But it's like when you're like removed from it and you're out of it, you're like, yeah, I mean, people sometimes can't make appointments. It's not a big deal, yeah. but when you're in it and you, and, you, and you've got this voice, like you, the, the Bojack Horseman voice, you stupid piece of shit and you stupid piece of shit. Everything feels so much bigger and everything feels like a slight. And it's, it's not just because they were tired. They just don't want to talk to you anymore. And it's not that something came up. It's just that you are so much of a burden. You can't even face it, but like, it's a real moment. And the reason it works and it works particularly well, I think for Superman, is he's such a over-the-top kind of character and design and it's and it's contrast and the thing about art is that contrast brings out the best in it and it shows you the versatility of something so the reason that's one of my favorite and most appealing moments is it brings something that's grand down to a a, a human place so like mm -hmm. realism absolutely has a place in media and it's a tool in our toolbox to use some you know, professional development teacher language, but <laughs> it 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 shouldn't be celebrated just because it is. Yeah. I, I uh, go ahead, Mike. No, I was going to say I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm currently playing a game called Control, and it is super fucking weird. Um, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It is. I I. I I have a hard time explaining the game uh, because it is um, it's a third person shooter um, and and like exploration uh, game. It has a couple of elements uh, in terms of gameplay overall similar uh, or in common with uh, games like Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, even down to the, like the lead is a redheaded woman. Um, but essentially, you're you are someone who is is gone searching for their brother who you've been searching for your brother for years and years and years and you've managed to track him back to uh the federal bureau of control which is headquartered in new york uh it is in a building that is referred to within the building as the oldest house um the oldest house is a nexus point between our universe and other parallel universes um, and it is current, and all of those things are currently being studied. Um, the aesthetic of the game is like if uh, uh, if Mad Men and Chris Nolan collaborated, like uh, uh, if Matthew Weiner and, and Chris Nolan uh, worked together to to make a, a, a video game. Um, but and and so like the realism of the concept and and of the actual setting works really well because like like Katie was talking about with contrast when you start getting into what the bureau does and what they investigate that is so surreal and so strange that you have uh it, it's like when you have a particularly short person and an especially tall person they're both real you know respectively very short and very tall but when you put them next to each other each of them looks that much more so uh, because you have that 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 comparison, the Bureau of the Federal Bureau of Control uh, uh, evaluates and investigates um, altered world events, uh, uh, which are essentially events that occur because of 
a crossover um, from another universe, some kind of energy, some kind of creature um, that they still don't really know much about. Um, and one of the things that you do in the game is there's, you're constantly finding uh, um, paperwork and multimedia objects and things uh, in the bureau that will talk about how, like, you know, somebody's proposal to create a TV series that specifically seeds conspiracies uh, just to see how the public will react. So they'll put they'll put forward an idea that they know to be true as a conspiracy to gauge public interaction and see if this is something that, that we're at a point where we can actually finally reveal to people. Um, it's like if the X-Files was an entire government uh, organization. Um, and, you know, like the setting itself, you're, you're just in a big government building that is very like 60s stylized. Um, but you start dealing with all kinds of weird, crazy shit. And so it's, it becomes this thing of like, oh, well, yeah, the realism there was was super important to ground it because when it's when, it, when it's grounded, the crazy shit that happens works that much better. Um, so, yeah, yeah, like like with Loki, know, where they're in an office building and they're basically like paper pushers. But then it's like, oh, hey, by the way, there's this nexus event where like this cataclysmic thing happens in 20 years. Let's all go check it out. And it's just like that much more like, oh, shit, everything's fucking crazy because you have the juxtaposition of like this boring, very like what's that filter that they use? Like um, everything looks brown in the TVA. In Loki. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Everything looks like like droll and mundane and like just like boring and like you're about to fall asleep kind of thing like those kind of office buildings where like it's meant to like lull you, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It makes perfect sense. Like you, you both have described uh, like eloquently is that like that juxtaposition that contrast is really of note. It's it's yeah. That, that's why that scene with Superman is so important because it's just like he literally has the powers of a god but he is sitting on the edge of a building to talk to somebody, to one person, because they matter. And, like, that's what's so powerful about Superman as a character. Yes, indeed. Yeah. But, yeah, like, when, you know, when you have stuff like, you know, Mike, one of your favorite things, Star Wars, um, <laughs> and you have, you know, like, the Force. The Force is this, this very um, spiritual, metaphysical you know, kind of unknowable thing that, that connects all, all living things in the universe, right? And then you have the Force Awakens, not the Force Awakens, uh, 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 the Phantom Menace, where they're like, oh yeah, uh, we can measure that, we can, we can quantify that uh, with, with these things called midichlorians. <laughs> yeah, I can take a sample of your blood and be like, what? stop, stop. Stop it. In what way does this make this better? How does you being able to say that this is qualifiable, quantifiable, and measurable in this particular fashion, um, which, which again, defying most of the logic from the previous films, um, uh, break, breaking away from the, you know, the sort of like either you, you know, not even necessarily you have it or you don't, like it's a feeling. Um, you just took something that was, uh, uh, this kind of um, ethereal, open-ended idea, and been like, no, no, no. There's hard data on this. Like, all right, yeah. man. Like, and I, 
furthermore, it's bullshit because in the, <laughs> in the, in, oh man. So in the original trilogy, you see Luke, he's got the force because he has the force because he just does, right? We don't understand why, but we assume that everybody probably has it in some way, shape or form. Some people are just more attuned to it. Just like some people are more sensitive to uh, certain smells or um, to spicy food or whatever. Like, you know, hey, that's fine. But everybody has the potential. And if you work hard and you focus and you go to a fucking weird, like swamp planet and meet some crusty little green dude, you can be just as powerful. You can learn how to control this. It's all about doing the right thing. It's about making right choices, about believing in people, about seeing the good in people, right? All of that is shit on when it's, oh, you have to have special blood. It now becomes an elitist thing. And I didn't think about it when I was a kid, but now that I'm an adult and I think about putting midichlorians in there, that's some bullshit. Because then it's just, oh, it's a classist thing now. The only people that can be these magical, mystical laser sword wielders have to be special blood. And that's fucked up. Yeah, I mean, and what's more real than the trials of class? Um, <laughs> you ruined Star Wars with realism. God fucking damn it. But no, that's, that's, that's another perfect example of like this, this idea that making something more real makes it better. And I mean, not... <laughs> Yeah. Not to point at the giant furry, you know, elephant in the room, but the, the cats. <laughs> <laughs> like, do I have to say, like, the movie cats? And, like, you can say a lot about, like, the fact that the sizing makes no sense. Because that's the other thing. If you're going for realism, you have to you have to be consistent um because like sometimes the cats are, like, dog-sized or, like, St. Bernard-sized, and sometimes, like, they're rat-sized. But, like... That, and like, I would even go so far as to say like those stories existed at their best when they were just sh like fucking poems that T.S. Eliot wrote in like old Possum's book. You know, that was them at their zenith. And then like it was brought more into realism by making it into a play, which was still fine. It was this weird trippy like, you know, the, the 80s were a different time play. And then you try to make it super realistic with the guy who made fucking... Uh, God, what was that fucking uh, Les Mis? And all of a sudden, it's just insane and terrible. And you're like, why is Taylor Swift the only cat with boobies? And it's just... Nope. Obviously, that's the only way that you would know that she is a female, is that she yeah. has <laughs> I want people to want to fuck this cat. <laughs> Again, it's our, it's our, oh. 19, it's our 1940s film producer with a cigar in his mouth we gotta we gotta have people wanting to bone this cat see sexiest cat you've ever seen <laughs> it's a lot of competition i want everybody to want to have sex with this cat you hear me this film doesn't get made unless people want to bone this cat <laughs> um but yeah so it's like obviously realism was not and because here's the thing though they like there's new technology that was de developed for that from a technical perspective the animators there did a really good job even though oh but do you also know that fucking tom hooper wouldn't let them you wear mocap suits what he wouldn't let them wear mocap suits because like it impeded the dancing or some shit like that. And since fucking directors have no idea how animation works, he's like, you can just put it on without it, right? And they're like, 
to die. And that's part of the reason that movie's so shitty. Like the the special, they, they were working up to the last minute to finish that movie because Tom Hooper has no goddamn idea how animation works, and he refused to listen to animators when they said, "Really, to do what you want, they need to wear mocap suits." <laughs> but they have to dance. But they they must be free and uninhibited and go to cat school because it's and it goes back to realism. God forbid wearing the mocap was made them slightly less fluid and cat-like. You know, there's a really interesting correlation with this conversation we're having too. One of the things that computer animation has done is it is unimpeded the visual things you can do with certain certain aspects, certain things that are that are on screen, and. Um, I'll use Star Trek again, since I'm a nerd and I love Star Trek. Um, watch the original movies, like all the 80s ones. We mentioned it before, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. The way that they do ships in those, those are all practical effects. Those are actual ships that they built. Those are models that are friggin' ginormous. And they filmed them and then put them, you know, on a, a blue screen before green screen technology. And basically, like, put all the stars and the planets and shit, like, in the background. With the new movies that recently came out like the chris pine ones uh the jj abrams directed ones one of the things that they do with the ships and they don't do it a lot but they do it enough that it makes me want to vomit is they do these really fucking wild crazy angles with them so it's like hey here we are in the enterprise and we're going to come out of the enterprise through the bridge and we're going to turn upside down so now you see the enterprise upside down what there's a lens flare hey look there's another ship now this one's upside down but we're going to turn the camera back this way and there's no purpose to it other than again man isn't wouldn't it be cool yes but at the same time what's the point in this like be just because you can do it and yeah. just because you can do something doesn't mean you should and like there have been a lot of there's been a lot of other instances that I can't think of right now where they talk about oh like uh, Jurassic World with the raptors running through the uh, forest like all of that CGI and you're like oh you're supposed to get the perspective of a raptor yeah but it's just fucking confusing and it's just like this this is giving me motion sickness like if you're not telling a story like again I think people are thinking really really grand and that's great like I don't want to censor anybody when it comes to this like but maybe look at it and be and Rambo you taught me this lesson. Um, just because you spend a lot of time on on a project doesn't mean that it has to be what you go with. So like in pandemic, I've been trying to teach myself digital art. Luckily, I have a really good tutor in James Rambo. Um, yeah. And one of the things that I've been doing is just kind of like, all right, here's my vision I have in my brain. I'm going to put it on digital paper and let's see how it comes out. And sometimes I spend a lot of fucking time on it and I'm like, all right, here it is. And I'll show it to Rambo. But like, what do you think? And he'd be like, eh. It's it's something. And like I never get mad. I'm never just like, well, fuck you, you don't see my vision. I'm just like, yeah, you know what, dude? I spent like eight hours on this shit. Let me let me go to bed and I'll come back and look at it again. Like, just because your original intention didn't come out right doesn't like there's a there's an old adage, like, don't keep throwing like a money pit. Like, don't keep throwing money at a problem um just because you like already thrown a lot of money into it. It's the same thing with time. Just because you've spent a lot of time on something doesn't mean that you have to keep doing it. And, like, that's what I see with so many of these digital effects. Like, they're so big and grandiose. Like, that's great. But at the same time, too, is it really coming off? Like, um, Black Panther gets a lot of shit for that, for that fight scene in, I don't even know what that part of Wakanda is. Like, the mines, I guess, where there's yeah. trains and shit. That's a lot of complicated shit going on. And I think because of that, it 
doesn't take away from the movie because the movie's still really fucking good. But it does like it's a lot more noticeable that there's some shit that didn't really come out right. I think they were just desperate to make you want to give a crap about that part when you really just wanted to be with all the fucking awesome women who are in that movie <laughs> fighting like because isn't that wasn't that intercut with like the big fight they were doing with like the rhinos and like yep. the, all that yeah like i didn't give a shit about the fucking trains um but yeah but um but no so like it's what was i gonna say i was gonna say something um Oh, but the, no, the, uh, you mentioned Jurassic Park. It's like, you know, they, they, that goddamn quote, like, you spend some time wondering if you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. <laughs> like, that's what all this shit is. And, like, that is one of my, that movie is one of the best examples of use of an intermixing of practical and digital effects. Because there are things that practical effects can't do. But, like, one of the reasons Jurassic Park still looks good even though it is one of the first movies to heavily use CGI is because Spielberg took the time to understand the limitations of where it was at. Like yeah. you, you like when you see the fully CGI dinosaurs, they're always really far away or they're in the rain. And like, that's not for at like things are easier to render when they're shiny or they're running by fast. Like those, um, the ostrich looking things that they, they, when they're no, running. Honest. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those things, that, you only see them for like a split second because they're shooting past you, yeah. Yeah, and, th and that is because of directorial decisions that understood the medium he was using. And like, that's why Jurassic Park looks so much better today even than movies that came out 5, 10, I'm going to even say 15 years after it. People who didn't under who thought that they could just poke a goddamn... Uh, 3D animator and say make it look good and I wanted to do this this and this and you're like that's not how any of this works um, yeah. I mean and like to piggyback on that the first Iron Man movie John Favreau made a point to consult with experts people who he was working with who knew better than he did and said all right for this scene what works best should we do the live-action suit should we do the full CG should we do some kind of combination and he did as such did did, uh, did as much and it, the movie is better for it. The, yeah, the, I think realism as a jumping off point is, is rarely a bad thing. But when your whole story has to be, particularly when it's like fantastical elements that are then supposed to be quote unquote realistic, like there is something to be said for that. And if it's done well, it's done well. But it's very easy to do them poorly and to be like beholden to uh, uh, ideas that don't actually serve the story, that don't actually make things better, they're just there. Yeah, I mean, like another another kind of example is like, I'm old, so I remember like when the GameCube was coming out, and I remember this really awesome Zelda tech demo they did to show like these really realistic graphics they could do in the legends of zelda and everybody was fucking hyped and they're like the next zelda is gonna look amazing it's gonna be so realistic and you're gonna be able to see the fucking water beetles like on like goddamn Link's eyebrows and then they come out and they reveal wind waker and wind waker is cgi and wind waker is cartoony and wind waker is soft and everybody like all the fucking people back then lost their minds and they're like what happened to that we want the realistic thing and, and fucking my motto came in and was like this art style 
is what tells the story I want to tell with this game. Mm -hmm. And they stuck with it. And I'm not going to tell you he's wrong. I think it does serve the story of that game better. It's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie and say it's my favorite Zelda, but it's, he's right about that particular art style. And there's something to be said for, you know, the uncanny valley yeah. and human beings being able from like a primal, uh, 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 like a primal place to look at things that look not quite human and be made uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like there, there are times with, uh, with some more modern games where you'll, you'll look at them and be like, I don't know. It's just, it just looks weird. And I'm not quite sure why. And it's because the graphics have gotten to the point where you can do realistically rendered things, but if they're not, if it's not hitting that certain degree of quality, it looks human like, but not human. You just, it, it just fucking wigs you out, man, on like a, yeah. a baseline level. I think, I mean, what you're describing is most of the like recent square stuff. Like, not to talk about WoW again, but like, <laughs> Final, everybody's like, oh, Final Fantasy 14 graphics are so much better. And I'm like, are they? Or are they just more realistic? Because like, because like fucking WoW is like a 15 year old game built on spaghetti code and some of the shit is janky. But if you look at the new stuff they design, it's soft and it's rounded and it's fantastical and there is like a cartooniness to it. And those are like deliberate design choices. And it is a deliberate design choice that I personally prefer to like the more hyper realistic thing of Final Fantasy 14 because it does bridge on the Uncanny Valley for me and like I and there's also like the weird like uwu waifu stuff like I don't really need that bunny lady to have giant tits in my face <laughs> like but no it's just like that's the thing well they're more realistic that doesn't we've like we're brainwashed to think that that makes it better and it doesn't I um yeah. there I've shown Rambo but I have um like all my nerd collectibles and stuff that I that I have uh, there's a series that Disney does uh, for Marvel characters. They also do them for the Star Wars characters called the uh, Disney Toy Box Collection. And the MCU characters and Star Wars characters that they do are stylized. And they're cartoony. Their hands and their feet are bigger. Like, their facial expressions are a little bit different. Like, I actually prefer those than, like, the hyper-realistic, it looks exactly like Mark Hamill in 1983. Like, I would, I prefer that because it's stylistic. And, like, honestly, those action figures where it's like, this looks exactly like Chris Evans, I'm always like, no, the fuck it doesn't. And, like, I would rather have that cartoony, stylistic choice than the hyper-realism. I don't think the hyper-realism is fun. And... Well, Sorry. No, yeah, that be it, it's and like you said, stylistic choice, and I I prefer somebody to have some fun with something than to just be like this is exactly what he would look like if he was four inches tall and made of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you you hit on another important thing. Like if you're if you decide that realism is important to your story, if you decide that realism is what you want to go for, you have to hit it because there's no room for error in that. Um, and it's not just in the visual arts. Um, let me talk about a little book called Twilight, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I I was working at a bookstore when they came out. They were the end all be all. I read them. I'm not proud of it. I've read all of those books, and they were fine. They were fine 
low, like fantasy related romance books. But there's a thing that happens in the last book where she decides she wants to talk about the genetics of vampires. And <laughs> she, she tries to explain that vampires, when a human being becomes a vampire, they go from having 23 sets of chromosomes to having 25 sets of chromosomes. Oh. And if you know anything about genetics, your brain immediately explodes because that's not how any of it works. And like, people can't just get new chromosomes and have things. You know what having trisomy, because this, this happens, it's a real genetic disorder that happens. It's called trisomy and trisomy happens in several different of the gene pairs. And one of them, the most famous is Down syndrome. Like having more genes doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you more capable. It just, it doesn't, that doesn't fucking make any sense. And also where did they come from? Like if you're going for realism, you have to hit it. And then they say like, well, so when a human has a baby with a vampire, they have 24 sets of chromosomes. And that's how many sets of chromosomes a werewolf has. So that's why a human vampire hybrid has so many things in common with a werewolf, which is also not how any of that shit works. Like if you know anything about genetics, you're immediately like dying on the inside because that doesn't make any sense. And also like, you know what happens when two things that have a different set of chromosome pairs breed? You get infertile offspring who usually don't survive past like six months, a mule is like a donkeys have one more set than horses so when they breed you get a mule and a mule is not viable so like she went for realism she thought oh i should make things more realistic but she like just like a swing and a miss and like nothing there makes sense <laughs> if you know anything about genetics so like she would she should have just saved us all some fucking time well and the, just the, not gone into the, it the answer to your question of where where do they come from? It would be Eastern Europe is where vampires come from, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but where do the chromosomes, where do the extra you know, chromosomes come you know from? Who did, you know who did a really, really good job of actually describing vampires in a, in a piece of media that he did? Uh, is Guillermo del Toro. Um, the strain is so fucking good. Yeah, he, he explained so much about vampires in a way that actually made sense without going into the chromosomal level. Because like, like, look, I love or hate Stephanie Meyer. Like she doesn't have the background to do this. Yeah, which is why she shouldn't have tried. That's yeah. my point. I'm not yeah. saying, like I said, perfectly serviceable <laughs> young adult yeah. fantasy romance novels. You, why did you tread where you don't belong? Have y'all ever seen the movie Throw a Mama from the Train? Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. You know the part where Billy Crystal's teaching the the writing class and the old lady wrote a submarine story, but she doesn't know any submarine lingo whatsoever? <laughs> take the ship down, the captain said. Aye, sir. And he hit the take the ship down lever. And he's like... <laughs> and Billy Crystal's like, okay, so... Let me give you some notes. Uh, do you know anything about submarines? No, I do not. I don't think that writing a submarine story is the thing for you. Like, Stephanie, Meyer, darling... You're a millionaire because of your books. Congratulations. Maybe chromosomes aren't the thing to discuss in your book. Just talk about like they're, they're vampires because you don't have to. Mystery is kind of cool in situations like this. And does it, again, does it make it better? Yeah, have you improved the story 
by going through and and adding your uh, uh, five seconds worth of Google research, um, because you looked up what genetics and chromosomes were, and didn't bother to learn that it, you know that an extra set of chromosomes doesn't make you somehow fucking you know superhuman. It you know fucks with the human being <laughs> like it changes things, <laughs> not necessarily for the better. Um, like you haven't improved your story by doing this. You know this doesn't have to be. Re you know, realism isn't necessary. In the same way that, like, complicated doesn't mean better. Nope. Um, you know, sometimes if you can simplify something, if you can really boil it down to its essence, that's the more intriguing idea. It's also more difficult. Um, but yeah, like, I think The Strain and, and Blade are both good examples of, you know, semi-realistic takes on on uh, vampirism and how it works. Like with, with Blade, it's a blood disease. Uh, and it's similar in, in, in The Strain. It just happens to be one that's really, really fucking old. Um, and it does add another layer to things, but I don't know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily improve stuff. And you end up with, you know, like, like Katie said earlier, your margin for error becomes way greater because the second you be you start doing things like there there I, I haven't watched more than an episode or two of the expanse but one of the complaints i've heard from people is well the whole point of the show is it's supposed to be like hard sci-fi like if this was real this is what it would actually be like but then they start breaking their own rules and you'll have it be like well you know the 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 concern with being out in space isn't just that there's no oxygen it's that there's all these other factors but then you have somebody just out in space and as long as they can hold their breath, they're fine. It's like, well, you just fucked up your own story. Like you, yeah. you're calling attention to yourself. Um, but a, 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 a good tangential example: when I went and saw fucking Avatar, the Cameron one, not the Last Airbender. <laughs> I went into that movie being like, okay, I have seen interviews with the cast. I have seen interviews with Jim Cameron, and everybody is talking about not just the visuals of this movie, but the quality. You have said this is one of the most incredible films in the last 30 years. All right, you set the bar. I, not me. Let's see it. And I watched that movie, and it was okay. Uh, it looked pretty cool, but that's about it. Um, if I had gone into it cold and just watched the movie, as opposed to watching it with the eye toward okay, this is very, very good. This is of a high, high quality, or at least that's what I've been pitched on. I have probably would have enjoyed that a lot more. Yeah. So when you make this claim that your your media is more realistic than the others, um, okay, well, guess what? You set the bar. You decided that this is how people are going to have to interpret this. And that can be a huge fucking problem, particularly when the bar is realism, because it is fucking difficult. Reality doesn't work on a narrative. Like, there isn't always a, a, a fair and happy ending. There isn't always a, a reasonable result for everyone involved. Like, that's why we, it's why we crave narrative. It's because you can tell a story that does have a, a satisfying ending. You can tell a story where, you know, maybe the bad guy wins or maybe the bad guy gets their fucking just desserts and the hero comes out on top. Um, that's a huge part of human nature. And so when you're like, well, it's more realistic. Okay. 
Well, fucking part of part of uh, media is escapism. I'm not here for realism necessarily, like particularly not in like my, my sci-fi and fantasy stuff. Can we be done with realistic ideas of superheroes? I just it's fucking tiring. Yeah. Well, especially, too, because, like, you can't ever say, like, oh, this is the most real superhero movie ever. Because superheroes don't exist. Yeah. Like, yeah, period. Yeah, and exactly. This, this, <laughs> this <laughs> Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is the most realistic superhero <laughs> film of all time. That's why no one can fly or shoot lasers out of their eyes. <laughs> but, like, I... I Always but once again, closing. <laughs> I fucking love that they added that for him they're like we want you in the movie version so we're gonna add this ridiculous fucking coffees for closers scene um <laughs> i but like, let me just let me just state real quick yeah. on a, a side note and then i'll let you finish i'm sorry um working in some of the industries that i've worked in especially like in sales whenever you see people use glengarry glen ross or boiler room or wolf of wall street as the re like the motivating thing for your sales force. Like, hey, watch these movies because it's going to teach you about how to be a good seller. Like, you do realize that the point of these movies is that these guys are fucking monsters, right? And like, no, it's just really good. No, shut up. Just shut the fuck up. Like, seriously, stop. Like, if you work in a sales environment in any capacity and you see somebody have like a picture of something from Wolf of Wall Street, first off, tear it off of their wall, smash it over your knee, and then slap them in the face. You'll probably get fired, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> the entirety of Boiler Room, the whole point of the movie is that they're ripping everyone off. Yep. Everyone is being stolen from. Yep. <laughs> that's like, that's literally the plot. The movie ends with the fucking FBI coming and <laughs> raiding the place. Well, like, that's, that's, but them saying, oh, yeah, this is the example. It's kind of them saying the quiet part loud. Like, they, yeah. They want you to rip people off well. Um, but, uh, but no, fucking Glenn Gary Glenn Ross and like, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm a, fa I'm I just, a failure. I love, I love when people, I love when people quote shit out of context. Like the whole, like Matthew McConaughey, those are rookie numbers. You need to pump your numbers up like memes. And it's like, you do realize he's talking about masturbation, right? <laughs> <laughs> talking about that. You don't jerk off enough. That. <laughs> context guys come on it's important <laughs> context is important oh man Ugh. realism it's great sometimes who cares sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah um this was fun i i'm very very glad to have you on katie uh in fact you are you're one of us you're one of a <laughs> one of the geeky nerds who does, doesn't want to gatekeep and shit like that so we appreciate you um <laughs> so thank you thank you very very much for coming on um, and we'll, yeah, I mean, we'd love to have you on for, for more projects. you want to talk about Q, You're goddamn right I do. <laughs> I, I could talk about, literally, for hours, I could talk about Q. I am fascinated by this. So we will we will touch base at some point uh, for a future episode of, uh, it's another podcast that I do called Mike Explores, where, like, I just delve into shit that I don't know about in, wow. in hopes to learn more about it. Like, I did one about the Britney Spears conservatorship, like, three months ago before all the news broke. Oh, that um, shit's so fucked up. Yeah, it's totally fucked up. I did one about uh, incels, which was both enlightening and disgusting at the same time. Um, 
I've, I've done one about religion. Uh, I did one about Scientology. Like it's, it's been, I'm going to keep doing more of these, but now like I was waiting, I was waiting for another episode where I was like, what am I going to talk about? I don't know, but f- f- fuck, I just had an episode fall into my lap now. So yeah. we're going to do one about Q and not like, <laughs> not like John Delancey from Star Trek, which would be also, no. how great would it be if I think that we're going to talk about QAnon? And <laughs> like, Let me tell you. <laughs> Like, how fucking insane is it that in, like, 15 years, people are going to have to put, like, a footnote in history books about, like, this conspiracy theory that spurred a cue, like, a, fu- a fucking, like, a cue against the government. Like, like a coup d'etat. I can't talk. And it started on fucking 4chan. Like, uh-huh. 4chan. And, like, what's even better is, is, like, the shit that they, they quote-unquote, Q kept saying, kept getting disproven and disproven and disproven, and people were like, oh, well, no, it's all part of the plan, man. He's trying to throw us off the scent. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, Jesus. Ugh. And then, like, wasn't there some documentary that came out where, like, the guy who created it admitted that he created it, but then tried to backtrack at the last second and be like, oh, well, I mean, if it was me. And everybody was like, oh, it wasn't him. That was, he was just bullshit. Like, well, in the fucking documentary, yeah. Like, dude admits yeah. to it. To it. Yeah. And... But like in a roundabout way. But in the documentary, they're like, and that's when we knew that it was him. Like that's he like he accidentally played his cards to uh, to uh, uh, openly and and was a little too clever about it. And them's the breaks. That's how it goes. But there's like there's evidence that like it switched hands and like all cesspool of insanity. Yeah, truly. Um, but on that note, again, Katie, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, Mr. Rambo, as always, we appreciate your contributions to all things GGR. We have an event, a big, ginormously huge event. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area or wish to travel to the Washington, D.C. area, you should do it for the weekend of August 20th through the 22nd. That's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for Awesome Con in D.C. Why do you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because... We are going to be doing our first ever panel at AwesomeCon. It is Sunday, August the 22nd. We are in room 103. It starts at 1045. It is myself. It is James Rambo. It is MC Brooks. It is also going to be special guest Ulysses E. Campbell. We are also going to use the magical, mystical means of the internet, and we're probably going to have a guest or two as well pop on so that they can share their piece about how important it is to be an ambassador for the geeky nerdy world. So I'm super excited. Y'all should be excited too. We'd love to see you there because we have this giant ass room that we have to fill. So, it's like, almost 400 people. We can almost fit 400 people in that room. Fuck, are you serious? Yeah. I don't know how we're going to get that many people. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't think we're going to, but we'll see. We'll see if we can Rats. get 400 people. Let's do this. Hand up cookies. There you go. I'm not promising cookies in a pandemic. That's a bad idea. Here you <laughs> go, guys. Have cookies. Seems like a great idea. Um, <laughs> but yeah, check us out at AwesomeCon. Uh, we'll be doing it, but we're also going to record it as well. So if you don't get to show up for various reasons, you'll be able to hear what we talk about on our panel. Uh, so for all of us here at The Great Geek Refuge, thank you so much for uh, subscribing to our shows, to reading our website, to sharing it with your friends and family. We certainly appreciate you. And remember, we can get through all of this crazy pandemic nonsense because it ain't over. The Delta variant is out there and it's nasty and it's rearing its ugly head. So you should probably still keep a mask around just in case. You should probably still wash your hands as often as possible. Make sure you're using hand sanitizer, keeping socially distanced. But remember, we can get through this because together there are no heights that we can't reach.
Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy. And even when your hope is gone, move along, move along, just to make it through.